Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, hosted by inspirational speaker and best-selling author, Mal Duane. Mal invites you to embrace your divine wildness with powerful conversations with visionary women. Listen in and learn how to move from pain and heartache to forgiveness and freedom so you can live the life you deserve. Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, and I am honored and touched to have today's guest. We originally did an interview in 2013, and that's when I learned about how special Christine Carlson truly is. Not only is she a New York Times bestselling author and a speaker and a leader in the field of transformation, but after collaborating with her late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson, to create a publishing industry phenomenon with Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series, they ended up selling more than 25 million copies worldwide. Chris has captivated readers around the world with her previous six books, which include Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Moms, An Hour to Live, An Hour to Love, The True Story of the Best Gift Ever, Heartbroken Open, A Memoir Through Loss to Self-Discovery, and her latest book, The Hero's Journey to Love, which is from heartbreak to wholeness. And the light is reflecting off of that a little bit, but we're going to get into this, uh, some of the practices in here, which are absolutely beautiful. She's been featured on national radio and television, the Today Show, Good Morning America, The View, Oprah Winfrey. And in addition to all of that, She was awarded the Kennedy Laureate Award from the John F. Kennedy University for her amazing work in the area of mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. She also has a very popular podcast, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff. And she has a fabulous website where you can follow her at christinecarlson.com. Christine, it's wonderful to be here with you today. Uh, thank you so much, Mal. It's so wonderful to be back with you. You know, um, I think the best place to start this discussion would be to give a little bit of history about what happened in your life, the sudden loss that you experienced in 2006, so that the audience understands the journey here that you have gone through, the hero's journey to joy. Thank you. Yeah. So um, as you heard in that wonderful bio that Mal delivered, um, my late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson, and I um, are the co-authors of the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff book series. And we had um, really a fairy tale kind of romance and love. We met in college, fell in love right away. And really were, um, had a rare relationship where we were able to stay connected and in love our entire marriage, which was uh, 21 and a half years, um, 25 year relationship and 21 and a half years of marriage. 
about um, 10 years after he wrote Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, our kids were in high school. We have two daughters. Um, at the time, they were 14, almost 15, and 17 years old. Um, Richard was heading out um, to New York for a book tour. And um, on any ordinary day, really, you know, just it was, you know, right smack dab right before Christmas, really busy time, you know, before the holidays for our family. And um, on that flight to New York, he um, died suddenly from a pulmonary embolism on the descent of that flight. And so when I received that phone call of that news, um, you know, like I, I really want to reiterate, it was just an ordinary day until that phone call, which completely shattered our lives. And of course, completely shattered mine. And, um, you know, it was completely unexpected. So that really catapulted us about at the 10th um, year anniversary of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff that really catapulted the girls and I onto a whole new beginning of life, um, which of course included grief and uh, for a long time for all of us. Um, and this new book that I've written from Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy is really this um, 10 year journey distilled down into nine chapters for my readers uh, about really how to heal and how to really um, utilize this huge change of not just the loss of a loved one, but the change that happens to us whenever we go through the loss of identity. You know, that that's really what I've identified is the, is the main reason for our suffering is that we go through this loss of identity and we're suffering because our identity is, is gone and we're in crisis for that reason. Um, and when that happens, you know, there is a journey of recovery and healing that has to happen, but it is also an incredible journey of transformation and growth as long as the person chooses that, as long as you choose not to be a victim of what's happened, but instead you choose to really um, dive into your own journey, into your own story, and really be your own hero, be the hero that you've been waiting for in your life. I know in my own life that one of the hardest things for me after getting divorced, and I hear this for women that lose their husbands or get divorced, is that the way they thought they were going to live their lives just goes up in a puff of smoke. So all their expectations, everything that they thought would be how they were going to spend the rest of their lives isn't there anymore, which inspired me to want to read this specific quote from your book, Heartbreak to Wholeness. This, I thought, was just a beautiful way to start this discussion. The act of surrender and trust is a portal that opens you to grace and the myriad possibilities that exist. And the universe begins to conspire on your behalf with unlimited momentum to bring the best plan of action to your attention at the right time. Mm, I just got chills when you read it. <laughs> I mean, it, it. It really is, we have to surrender. You, you cannot resist that something like this has happened and be able to 
you know, get out of that pain that is just so overwhelming. This book has so many beautiful practices to help women heal. Every chapter has one with journaling prompts and how to rewrite the story. But a couple of them really popped out for me. And, and one of them was the five-pointed star mantra. And can you tell us a little bit about that? I will. Yeah, you know, I am interestingly, Richard and I learned a mantra from a meditation teacher back in our 20s. Um, and it was surrender, trust, and accept. And, you know, I always say that mantra works pretty well in traffic too, but it really became the guiding light for me in grief because there was always one question and there always is one question to ask when you face anything that is um, challenging, when you face adversity at all and you ask the question, can I change this? And if the answer is no, you cannot change this, that this happened, then what I have found to be incredibly helpful is to surrender to what is. And, you know, people make um, the mistake of thinking as surrender is being giving up or giving in. It's not at all about that. Surrender is about accepting and allowing what's present to be present. And that means you have to surrender your mind to the resistance that you feel. You have to surrender the ego to the resistance that you feel and you have to just open to what's present. And this is really at the heart of mindfulness and having a gentle and loving awareness of the feelings and the situation that is present. And once you've answered that question, can I change this? And the answer is no, then your best option is to surrender to what is. And, and really what you're asking and offering is surrendering your will to let thy will be done, so to speak, so that you're opening yourself up to the universe's love, to grace, to allow grace to be your guiding light and to um, hold you in this process of healing and recovery. So the mantra, star mantra, is really about surrender, trust, accept, release and receive and just to go over those you know kind of relatively quickly you know one of the most impactful things i found in my own um meditation and my own inner work and my own personal growth work is using mantra as a guidepost as a, a way to guide my mind because if we can um suggest to our mind that we believe that we can heal then our mind will do everything possible to make that happen. But you have to be the one to suggest to your own mind, to guide your own mind to that place. And so um, mantra works very, very well for doing that. It acts as a guidepost, something for your mind to focus on. I can't tell you how many times I said the words, Chris, just surrender, trust, and accept. Surrender, trust, and accept. Well, then I found that in healing, the most um, important thing for my healing was to release the grief that would build in my body, to release the tears that were an, inevit an inevitable expression of 
what I was feeling, which was deep sorrow and deep longing and missing my beloved and what everyone feels when they're going through any kind of huge change and transition. You're, you're grieving the loss of the dream, just as you said earlier, of the life that you thought you were going to have is no longer. And you grieve that as much as you grieve the missing person, you grieve the loss of the dream of your life as you thought it was going to be. And that's really not any different from people who go through a divorce or go through a death. It's basically the same kind of loss in that way. So the release part is about releasing all of that built up grief and emotion that um, is inside you, that's inside your body. And then sure enough, if you go through this process of surrender and trust, accept and release enough, you will receive a new life and you will rebirth through that process. It is literally a birthing process that you go through um, as you allow yourself these waves of grief to come over you, as you allow yourself to go through them. And you release that grief through your tears, through your laughter, through your screams, whatever it takes. And then you um, receive a new life. And that's the star mantra. Beautiful. You're so open about the pain that you went through. And I mean, there were days you just didn't, you didn't want to get up. You just wanted to pull the covers over your head. And yet you made, you made yourself, you know, step forward. You had two daughters you were raising. You had to get up. You had to get going. And through that process, unfortunately, this stalker came into your life also that caused tremendous turmoil and upset and craziness and threats. Share with us a little bit about, you know, how you had to, on top of, everything that you were trying to deal with, then you had this other challenge um, that appeared that caused great, great upset and, and panic for, for you and your family. It really did. So it was an interesting, um, interesting thing to have happen. You know, right after Richard died, I was um, heading to Italy to a workshop called The Path of Love. And my best friend, um, Lisa, who's noted in the book throughout the book, um, was going to attend that workshop with me um, because it was only 11 months after Richard had passed and I was really raw and I knew I shouldn't be traveling on my own. And so at that point, um, we got to the airport ready to go on our trip. And um, she, my friend, the most organized person on the planet, lost her passport at the airport. and. Um, I had to make that decision. Was I going to go on this trip without her? Or was I going to stay home? And I, I, I thought to myself, well, what could happen really? You know, I, I think I'm just going to go and go it alone. And maybe that's what I'm meant to do is, is make it um, on my own. And so I went up and I was about ready to turn my, um, my ticket in. And I was, we had purchased business class tickets and my, um, business class seat had been replaced with an economy plus seat. And so, you know, here I was going to the path of love and I was in a very raw, very spiritual place. And I thought, wow, this is really an interesting second obstacle to face. Um, 
should I go or should I stay? I was thinking about it. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to persevere. I think I'll be fine. I feel very protected and divinely loved and guided. I think I'll be fine. And so I went and I sat down on this plane and I met my fellow passenger. And um, after we had taken off, he turned to me and he said, you don't know anything about divine consciousness, do you? And I thought to myself, I laughed out loud and I thought, well, this must be why I got seated in this seat. I must be meant to have this conversation with this person. So um, I did. I had a very deep conversation about divine consciousness with this person, with this young man. And um, and then, you know, we it was a, a, an international flight, 11 hours. It was at night. So, you know, we talked for several hours. Um, I shared with him that um, I had lost my husband, and that's why I was so um, really tuned into divine consciousness. Um, he knew I was an author. You know, he knew enough about me then to when I once I got home um, a couple months later, he started to write my website, and his um, emails got more and more angry when we didn't reply. And he made the comment that um, I could ignore him for now, but as soon as I came out to the public eye again, he I would not be able to ignore him. And um, there was a languaging he used. And so anyways, the, the long and short of the story is, um, in which is in chapter four, The Jagged Edge of Growth, is that this um, man was a serial stalker and he... Um, really went on a very long protracted campaign against me and my family had a complete delusion about marrying my youngest daughter. Um, the harassment was severe and he ended up in jail for four and a half years for what he did to us. So he's still serving that four and a half year sentence in England. Um, it was one of the first international cyber stalking cases to be prosecuted because, you know, the, the internet has been like the wild, wild west. I mean, it was really when this was going on, there really weren't any laws to protect us from this kind of harassment. And it came at a time when I was supposed to really be building my social media um, as an author, made it very difficult. But, you know, this is very much one of the reasons why I looked back on my journey and I chose the hero's journey, you know, because when you look at the hero's journey, you know, the the um, hero has um, an initiation um, event that happens that shatters their lives. It really shatters their perfect life. And then it sends them on a whole new trajectory of life. And But on this trajectory, this journey where they're really reclaiming, in my mind, in the way I thought about it, um, reclaiming their wisdom, reclaiming aspects of themselves, committed to their journey, committed to this process of whatever you're committed to, um, you reach, you have the point where you have obstacles and you have dragons and you have, you know, big issues to contend with that will really try and take you off your path, that will really try and stop you. And what the hero does is the hero doesn't deviate from their path. They persevere. And you know, and I had to persevere. And, and one of the things I share in the book is that life really happens for us. And you know that you've met the jagged edge of growth when you can take some of the worst things that happen to you. And you can actually say, as awful as it is to lose somebody in your life, as awful as it is to have a stalker, that this too happened for me. And I was able to see that 
I was a very feminine woman. I still am. I'm, I'm extremely I have a very feminine nature and, and presentation about me. But what I was lacking was um, some masculine, you know, my masculine energy. And I speak of masculine energy and, and feminine energy as not being um, male or female, but something that we all carry both within us, you know, that we have a male component even when you're a female. And when you're a male, you even have a feminine component to your energy that, you know, men can be very nurturing and very um, fluid and and live very um, receiving oriented, very, you know, with all the feminine energy, um, as much as they can be doers and, and be, you know, strong leaders and, and carry the masculine energy. And so can women. But I was really lacking those, that, that energy. And this stalker really initiated me into being the protector, being the hero, because you know, I didn't have my husband and it came right after, right? And, you know, you can always tell when something's divine because it has that mark that all those synchronicities that happen with my best friend and here I'm supposed to be in business class. You know, it was, that's, people always think, oh, divine is always like, oh, but it isn't always like that. Divine has a really fierce sword sometimes, you know, and, and sometimes the biggest things you have to learn come in some really untidy, ugly packages. And certainly this lesson for me was I needed to um, develop this masculine quality of protection very quickly because I have a family and I had daughters to protect. And I, I hadn't owned that yet. But boy, I'll tell you what, he called me into it pretty quick. <laughs> I absolutely love that you look at these experiences that they had a lesson to them, something you needed to learn about yourself, about your life. It isn't that, you know, the universe is conspiring against you, but it's about your own development, your soul expansion. And these lessons can be very harsh. And as you said, one right after another, but that inspired you to pick up and become that protector for your family because you had been so protected and cared for by Richard that you you never had to deal with any of those responsibilities and all of a sudden it's all there and it's it's survival time. Yeah, really survival, truly. And you know, and then so many of the things that Richard had said um like to me, he, you know, one of the one of my favorite quotes of his is that the circumstances of life don't make or break you, but they reveal who you are. And you know, certainly, I a lot of those things came back to me to help me um, really stand in what was present, you know, and just say, you know, I need to be strong. You know, I need to build a case against this person. I need to protect my family. I need to make it possible for my kids to have any career someday that they want without having this menace all over them, over social media and so forth. And, you know, and I, um, all of those things are, you know, it is, it's really powerful, like the most empowered place when you can sit and say, you know, this is a lesson, there's something in this for me, you know, and I don't necessarily believe that everything happens for a reason, but I do know that we as human beings, in order to process huge change, have to find the reason why things happen. And I think that's what I do naturally as, as a way not to be a victim. You know, I don't believe in victimhood. I don't believe that we are a victim of our circumstances. I believe that 
everything in our lives is called to us. We've called it to us, the good, the bad, the blessings, the ugly, all of it. And that we're here to fulfill a life mission. And, you know, people would say, well, what about that child who dies young or whatever? And, you know, and I think, well, yeah, but we don't know what that soul's life mission is or was. We don't know if that soul just came to experience unconditional love or came to, you know, ignite a spark of something else in someone else. Or, you know, we just, we can't know what everyone's soul's mission is, but we can try to remember what ours is. And we can um, look to all of the circumstances in our life to reveal to us something about what our soul has called in in this very short experience of human life. It is so short for all of us. And if we could only know that, really know that it is so short and so temporary and that we're here to learn and grow, we're here to express ourselves and to allow our soul to, you know, do its work. And, you know, we get so much in our own way. And certainly I've been guilty of it at different times in my life too. But um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you talk in the book about knowing that Richard is still with you. You, you have conversations with him all the time. You, you know he's there. So tell us a little bit about that because it's just magical the way you write about it. It is. You know, I, I don't think I really could have survived this loss if I hadn't had so many really um, deep spiritual experiences very early on with Richard indicating that he was right alongside of me. Um, certainly, I've had a number of medium readings, but, you know, it's amazing. Like he, he I feel him, you know, constantly. Recently, um, I had an understanding that I wasn't allowing him to come through my writing as much as I should be. And and um, a spirit, I had a spirit guide reading and they said that um, he was saying, you know, that's a little bit like tying your shoes at the starting line. Like, why would you do that? You know, like, why would you not let me help you with this and that, you know? And, and I thought, yeah, you know, I guess I've been just trying to make my own way in this world on some level, you know, teach what I have to teach. And, and, um, but Richard is so much present with me. I think that's one of the reasons why I don't feel very lonely most of the time. Um, Cause I am quite an extroverted person by nature, but I, um, I don't really, my kids are grown. They're out of the house and I don't feel that alone. It's very interesting. I really feel it's because Richard is right alongside of me. And I always say to people, you know, it's really up to us on the earth to continue that relationship we have to ask them to guide us, ask them to be present, ask for their help and ask, you know, talk to them as if they're present. And the signs really will come. You know, they really will come. They have to be invited, though. And I think um, one of the things I had hoped to really accomplish with this book was to um, have people choose to be the hero of their story, but also for them to realize that love is transcendent, that love transcends the boundaries of time and space and is forever and that these connections that we have these soul connections these beloved connections don't ever die not with a body for sure you wrote a beautiful love letter to your husband at the end of the book and i highlighted some of your words here that just about bring tears to my eyes Change is hard but necessary. 
Growth means maximizing our human potential, even amidst adversity. Being present is the key. Gratitude is what it means to live in joy. And most importantly, love never dies. Love transcends the boundaries of time and space. Love lasts forever. Indeed, it does. I will always celebrate your life. I will always honor you with mine. Mm. So beautiful, Christine. So Thank beautiful. You. Thank you. It's just... um. It's kind of the same letter I think that Richard would have written me if the tables were turned, you know, so that's a letter I wrote 10 years at the 10 year anniversary of his death. And I did make a huge pivot. Um, people had somebody say to me recently in a call I did, um, they said, well, that, that timeline doesn't really work for me because I'm in my 70s. <laughs> And I said, well, hopefully my book has short, shortened it by quite some for you. I didn't have my book when I was going through my healing. So, <laughs> but, you know, I think um, the other thing I'd really love to share is, you know, my experience has been that um, if you, if you really choose to be present in your life, no matter what, that you're not going to be, grief isn't all darkness. It's not all sorrow, you know, that every day there's something to be grateful for every day you know, if you can find something about life that inspires you, that you can get through to the next day. And that, you know, certainly in the hardest moments in our dark night of the soul, it is very, very hard. And there's no minimizing that. There's no shortening that depending upon, you know, what you are, you know, how you're doing your healing, you know, but I will say that um, just hang in there, you know, hold on, because, Life will come again, and it will come with a force as long as you're open to receiving it. And you do mention in the book that you're open to love again if it shows up. Yeah, I have loved again. I mean, I've, I've had other loves in my life, you know, since Richard, but none that would represent like a true partnership, you know, like, but um but, you know, we're so geared as human beings for love. Like we, we don't have any lack of capacity to love, you know, but choosing a life partner is different. You know, choosing a, a, somebody to really partner up with in life requires sometimes a little more than just love. It requires having all the characteristics and qualities that really um, add to life in the most big way hugest way, you know, cause I, I've got my life going pretty good on my own. So I, I figure if the person, you know, there's certain things that Richard can't give me, of course, now from the other side, you know, can't give me human companionship and, you know, sexual connection and those kinds of things. But, um, you know, all the rest of it is very well covered. And so I, I'm open, but I'm not needy of it. And, I, you know, I feel really good about where I'm at in my life. I feel super, um, just, just really, I feel super engaged in life in a really beautiful way. Well, for anyone who's had heartbreak, who's lost a loved one, lost their husband, even divorced like myself, this is a must. It's just so beautiful. Practices are so healing. You're so real. You're Throughout here, we can feel you, and it's just an honor 
to spend this time with you again, Christine. You're just a beautiful soul. Oh, well, thank you so much. You are too. And I just um, applaud your work, your podcast, everything you're doing is amazing. And I just want to thank you for having me on. It's been wonderful talking with you. And if people want to get a hold of you, reach out to you, going to your website is the best thing, christinecarlson.com. Yes, that would be the best place to reach me for sure. Wonderful. Are you doing any more retreats? Because you do mention that you take women on retreat, spiritual retreat. Will you be doing some more in the coming year? Yeah, I have a lot of retreats planned. So if you go to my website and look at retreats, you can um, see what's happening. And yeah, I try to do some transformational work, but also have a lot of fun. So I'll be um, doing several retreats this year. Oh, fabulous. I'm going to look for myself. <laughs> oh, I'd love to hang out with you. That would be so much fun. Yeah, you should look at my Italy one is in September. It would be a blast to have you along. Oh, I, I'm going to be in California in September for um, a conference. So I, let me go in and look. Let me take a look. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. So oh, good bless you, girl. This is wonderful. Thank yeah. you again. Thank you. Got to get this. From heartbreak to wholeness, the hero's journey to joy. Have a thank beautiful you. day. Bye. Thanks for listening to Awakening Divine Wildness. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with a friend and leave some stars and a favorable review at iTunes. And be sure to visit MalduaneCoach.com for your free Heal Your Heart, Reclaim Your Worth six-week video course.